Hey, this is the coach Brendan, sir. Want to let you in on something that happened over the final four weekend. Fast Model and Coaching You co-sponsored one of the neatest events that I've ever taken part in. It was called the Next Gen Coaches Forum. This was five head coaches in college basketball sharing their philosophy and thoughts in a conversation that I was leading with them on how to become a head coach and more importantly, how to be a better assistant to prepare yourself to be there. We recorded the sessions. It's a two and a half hour video that I think you'll just absolutely love. Uh, we have priced it at only $39 so that every guy that's in college coaching, whether you're a staff member, you're any kind of ops or support staff or assistant coach, this is a must get for your profession. It's like buying a great book because it's not me. This is this is David Patrick, the head coach of Cal Riverside. This is Mike Boynton, the head coach of Oklahoma State. This is Donnie Jones, the new head coach of Stetson University. This is Bob Ritchie from Furman University, one of the youngest coaches in college basketball and is an absolute superstar. And then, of course, Conzo Martin, the head coach of University of Missouri. You're going to find from these five men a total selfless investment in you to develop you. This is a must-listen, must-watch opportunity for you to learn and grow. Please take advantage of it. Go to coachingyoulive.com forward slash next gen. That's N-E-X-T-G-E-N. Please take advantage of this learning opportunity for you to grow and get better. Hey, welcome to another Coaching You podcast. I'm so excited today. Uh, you know, we've been blessed with having incredible guests, but this one today is as good as we've ever had. Uh, one of the best player I ever coached in my life is Isaiah Thomas with the Pistons, the Bad Boys, and he has agreed to join us today in is an interview that will take us all different ways. But you'll find just one of the most knowledgeable people in basketball. Also, a player and a person with incredible humility. After this timeout, Isaiah Thomas. Fast Model Sports is the world's most versatile basketball coaching software to help power your preparation. Fast Model has developed the industry's best coaching software, including the number one play diagramming and playbook software, FastDraw. FastDraw bridges the gap between whiteboarding and the digital world with an incredibly easy-to-use interface that can be used on both your computer and your iPad, providing maximum portability for your own personal play and drill database. doesn't stop there. Along with FastDraw, they have other great programs such as FastScout, which I have used, which helps coaches create clean professional sky reports customized for your team. Fast Model is trusted and used by every NBA team and WNBA team and 85% of Division I college teams and over 8,000 high school and youth teams from over 75 countries around the world. In addition to a great product, they also provide basketball coaching resources through their blog and play bank, which features over 5,000 free plays and drills for their online coaching community. For access... To these plays and more information, visit FastModelSports.com or follow them on Twitter at FastModel. Let's take a second to tell you about one of our partners, Dr. Dish. Dr. Dish basketball shooting machines are the most high-tech and durable basketball shooting machines on the market. Each shooting machine was designed specifically for high-repetition training to allow players to improve through technology. Dr. Dish offers game-like training to give hundreds of shooting reps in just minutes and provide powerful analytics to help players improve their game. Dr. Dish has also introduced Skill Builder, which is the first of its kind in the basketball shooting machine industry that enables players and coaches to stay connected, design and upload training exercises, and instantly receive feedback on their workout, allowing for real-time adjustments and improved performance. It is, without question, the most innovative basketball training machine on the market. 
To learn more about Dr. Dish, log on to drdishbasketball.com or follow them on Twitter at drdishbball. Don't forget to mention Coaching You and receive $300 off on your next Dr. Dish purchase. That's right. Mention Coaching You or the podcast and get $300 off your Dr. Dish. Hey, welcome to another Coaching You podcast with the coach, Brendan, sir. And my honor today is to have the best player by far, the greatest player I ever coached. Isaiah Thomas is our guest. Welcome, my friend. Well, thank you for having me. And, um, you know, when we when we last talked, um, I, I told you, I said to you the one of the last uh, letters that you sent out um, uh, from coaching you in terms of, you know, not not what you do to succeed, but what you do after you fail and what to do after you've been fired and how you get better. I thought that was brilliant, you know, because, you know, in all sport and all field, it's not always about success. It's about how you come back from disappointing losses and disappointing failures. So that was brilliant. Thank you. Uh, you know, we're we're always trying to help the th- the thousands and thousands of people there are around the world. You know, we found out that seventy five hundred countries are listening to our podcasts, and you know, and uh, it startles you a little bit. You know, when you when you find out about this, and uh, you know, and and the reaction and influence you can have on people. But you know, one of the things that. Uh, you know, when I, I had a chance to coach uh, Marcus Jordan, Michael's son at UCF, and and he came over to me one day and he said, "You know, I missed the most shots in the NBA for seven straight years." I, I was like <laughs> out of nowhere, you know, and I said, "Okay," yeah. and he said, "But I also was the leading scorer in the league those seven years," and I, it was pretty profound, you know, and and that's part of failing, you know, missing and stuff like that, but. Uh, you know, when you've learned a lot, you know, when you are when you have greatness, you, you're not going to make every shot. You're not going to th- never have a turnover, right? And so when you watch these younger players today, they struggle sometimes with any adversity, don't they? Yeah, they, they struggle with, um, you know, different forms of adversity. And, and, and to some of us watching from afar, it's, it's shocking to see uh, some of the things that they're struggling with now uh, because I was fortunate enough uh, to come up in the era where I did have like great coaching. Not only did I have great coaching, but I also had great mentors who took the time to really, you know, educate me and, and plug up the holes that uh, I had as a, as a young person, as a teenager growing up. And by the time I got to adulthood, uh, some of those things that we see some of the younger players struggling with, uh, I didn't. I didn't have any of those struggles, and and it all goes back to the coaching and the mentors that I had, and seeing some of the coaches and mentors that some of these younger players have had along the way, uh, when they get in the spotlight and they get on the bigger stage, you see their 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 thoughts very quickly. And um, I don't know if there's a network set up to really plug those leaks and plug those holes that they have, and they just keep growing bigger and bigger and bigger. You know, you had an incredible high school coach in Joe Pignatore. You had an incredible college coach in Bob Knight. And at the NBA level, having Chuck Daly. Uh, <laughs> they don't make them like that anymore, do they? You know. And, and and it would be they would tell you the truth and it'd be tough with you but they would be honest with you right? Absolutely and and you trusted their honesty and you trusted their toughness because you you never could question their their uh, intellect about the game. Mm-hmm. You may question their their personality. You mm-hmm. may not like what they said to you. May you may not like how they were treating you or what have you. But you never could say about any of my coaches that I had that they didn't know the game of basketball right. or they didn't know what they were doing. <laughs> mm. You know, you you may not agree with their system, uh, but you never could say that that person didn't know his system and what he was teaching. 
You know, I was just thinking about it because I was thinking about Coach Pig, you know, back in Chicago growing up there. And I remember you used to tell me uh, that part of your quickness was coming coming from your neighborhood to get the bus to get over there to ch- to get the dogs that were running after you. you had to get on that bus and ch- <laughs> all those things but you know when you when you were when we used to play as the pistons would go and play the bulls what was it like for you going back to your hometown to go and play against our most i don't want to say hated but they were our rival put it mildly it, it was always um for me, it was always exciting yeah. because I, I always felt like uh, growing up in Chicago and what the Chicago Bulls meant to me as a little kid, um, growing up on the west side of Chicago and the the Chicago Bulls, to give people an example, the stadium <laughs> was two blocks away from the Black Panthers headquarters. And... And everything that was going on in Chicago during that period of time, the Chicago Bulls never left the neighborhood. So for us growing up as kids, they were they were a beacon of light. Uh, being able to to walk down the street and see a Bob Love or a Chet Walker or Jerry Sloan or or Bobby Weiss, you know that they they were everything to us, and that's all we really had in the neighborhood. So coming back to play in the place that you always wanted to play at, uh, the arena you always snuck in, uh, <laughs> stole popcorn from, didn't have a chance to come back and play in that arena, even though you had on a different uniform, I always felt it was special going back home. My family got to come. All my high school buddies were there. <laughs> the neighborhood was there. So I, I looked at it as always a special place to come back and I never wanted to lose. And I felt like the Chicago stadium was part of my home and I never wanted to lose at home. <laughs> right. Exactly. When we played there, uh, I, I don't know if I've ever been in an arena where literally during a timeout and trying to talk to the players, neither Chuck nor I, you could hear a damn thing we were saying. That's how loud they were. They almost cheered more during the timeouts than they did during the game. Right. Yeah, it's funny that you say that because Mark and I was just talking about that the other day, just how loud the Chicago stadium was. And yeah. It's like you, I mean, really, as you just described it, you, you couldn't hear anything, and it's almost like you had to read read <laughs> each other's lips. And, and, and there was a lot of nonverbal communication that had to go on for you to understand what was going on out on the floor and in the huddle. I, I don't think I've ever participated in any playoff series ever. Like, well, you know, playing the Celtics was that was that was uh, that was always tough. You know, great great route. But I'm not sure if I ever had anything more uh, physical, uh, you know, than or you know tough than playing against the Bulls, Piston Bulls playoff series. Even the finals yeah, weren't I- as tough. Yeah, I felt like whenever we played the Celtics or the Bulls, yeah. um, I, I really do feel like when we came into the city, the whole city stopped. <laughs> I felt like everybody was watching the game, tuned into the game, or it, it just felt like the it felt like the weight of the city truly was was on you, and the eyes of the city was was on that game, and everybody cared about what was happening. Whether they did or not, that's the way it felt. Well, a few weeks ago when we got together in Detroit to celebrate our 30th reunion, basically, of back-to-back championships, being the leader of that group, how special was it for you? It, it, was, it was really special uh, to, to be back and, and feel the, the love and the warmth from the community that they still have for all of us. I mean, it, it, to me, it's one of the most fascinating things that has ever happened to uh, uh, a championship team, uh, the 30-year bond that we still have as, as the bad boys. Um, and it's almost as if it's, it's separate from the Pistons. It's, it's, a, mm-hmm. it's a unique kind of thing that, that we that we developed and that we have with that city. 
And I don't know if any other team has that type of connection 30 years later still with their fan base. And, um, and for all of you to, you know, I didn't, I didn't ask to be the leader of the team. Right. <laughs> uh, but for all of you to, 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 to say that I was the leader, uh, or to be the captain of, of such a, an outstanding group of, of men, um, it, it definitely makes, it humbles me, but it also makes me feel a little special about, about myself that, that, a, that all of you would say that, okay, this is a person that can speak for us mm-hmm. and, and carry the banner of captain and, and still leader today. Uh, that was, it's still mind blowing. You know, I think the um, you were part, the leader of the of the greatest backcourt ever in since I've been associated with the league since seventy nine eighty when Bird and Magic came in. It's the best backcourt ever in the NBA of you, Joe, and Vinnie Johnson. Uh, it was almost like one unit. Then you couldn't beat the three of you. One of you might have a bad game. Doubt if two of you would. But if you did, then that other guy was just going to... It was something like you've never seen before, right? It was something that we'd never seen before, um, but it was something that we were kind of familiar with. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, because when you look at, at Gus Williams, Dennis Johnson, and downtown Freddie Brown... Good call. Uh, those three were very similar to to us, Um in terms of all three guards, mm-hmm. um, and and they won champions, they won championships in Seattle also. Right. Um, but I, I thought the 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 ball handling skills that that the three of us really possess, like downtown Freddie Brown, didn't have the ball handling skills right. of of a Gus or a DJ, but Vinnie Johnson had superb ball handling skills. Uh, Dumars had ball handling skills. I had ball handling skills. And I think that's what, that's what separated, I think, all backcourt at that time. It made us so difficult to guard in any type of screen and roll situation. Because not only did we have great ball skills, but we were all excellent passers too. Uh, sometimes willingly and sometimes unwillingly. <laughs> You, you know, we said to have a, a three-person backcourt work, two of the three at least have to be able to handle the ball. So you'd always ha- have someone that could bring the ball up, you know, and uh, and, and that's what you guys had. Uh, and also, the three of you excelled under pressure. I mean, just when the game was tight, there was you didn't know which one, but one of the three was going to make it happen, usually with the help of the other one, which made it even more special. Yeah, and and the recognition of of the three of us knowing when the other one had it going and being, you know, not minding, uh, taking a step back and let the other really do his thing for the sake of winning the basketball game. Uh that was now that now that I look back and I'm a I'm a little bit older, I, I look at that situation that we had with the three of us. And I can appreciate it and respect it more because it was so unique and it had to be so unselfish for it to truly work at, at, at its zenith and at its highest point that it did. And that's a credit to, to all of us, but more importantly, the credit to, you know, the coaches and the teammates who kept all mine all in order. Because sometimes, you know, you, you want to go off the reservation and, and, and do your own thing. But having great teammates and having great coaches is what, you know, kept us all basically sane enough to really go out and do it. You know, I always said that the reason the team was so successful was we had great internal leadership, you know, and I Mm -hmm. thought there were four or five or six of us as players that could always step up either like Joe, more by example than words, uh, Dennis Rodman in his own way, you know, led, you know, because he performed every night, you know, and, and, and stuff, and then might say something that was so profound and 
truthful because he had no problem calling anyone out at any time, you know, uh, from coaches on down. But, uh, you know, his sincerity and honesty was right on the money. And then, you know, we had a new teammate join us uh, halfway through the the first championship was Mark Aguirre, who was one of the best players and highest scores in the league and came and said, I want to fit in. I want to win a championship. His importance is very undervalued, I always think. I agree with you. Um, you know, Mark Aguirre gave up a Hall of Fame career mm-hmm. uh, to to win championships. And at that time, that's what it was supposed to be about, winning championships. Right. It wasn't supposed to be about the individual accolades. And, and down the road, you thought that you would be rewarded more for winning championships than your individual accolades. And uh, I, I feel bad personally a lot sometimes because what Mark Aguirre gave up, you know, think about this. When the year that we went to the finals and lost to the Lakers, well, the Lakers beat the Dallas Mavericks. <laughs> right. They were in the Western Conference Finals. Right. And I just... I don't know how he's gotten lost uh, in all of this because we were we were five or six games behind Cleveland <coughs> at the point the trade was made and he came to the team. Yep. And uh, the things that he sacrificed for us to win, you know, are very underrated and, as you said, unappreciated. Well, you know what's interesting is that like as great as Golden State is right now, and I, I love them, and I know you do too as a team. They're, they're terrific. Um, but the reason that I think our team was so good is we had such depth. If one guy either got hurt, didn't play well, or got in foul trouble, there was another starter sitting behind him. Behind Mark was Dennis Rodman. Behind Rick Mahorn was John Sally. Behind Bill Lambeer was James Edwards. And behind you and Joe was Vinnie Johnson. I mean, those are all starters in a normal team yeah. in the league. Right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's just fabulous, you know. Uh, now, in, in watching today, and, you know, you commentate for NBA TV and you're on TNT and stuff. But when, and, and I watched a playoff preview show the other night. And... There's so many great young kids in the league. Well, they're, you know, and great players that played your position. Players that are compared to you, like take a Steph Curry. What are your feelings about him? I I am honored to be compared to Steph Curry. Um, I mean, Brendan, the the way he shoots the basketball, I I could never shoot like he shoots. (laughs) Right. You know, I would, I would have, I would have moments of hot streaks, mm-hmm. but I mean, he he does it every single night. Um, and I I look at I look at all these players in terms of what they what they're doing at the point guard position, and I and I truly love that they're getting to play their game and display their their skills. Um, if you remember when, when I was playing, um, it was frowned upon for a point guard to score points. Mm -hmm. It was frowned upon for a point guard to be able to, uh, score and assist. Uh, you either did one or the other and, and to be called a pure point guard, that meant that you couldn't. (laughs) score or display your other skills that you had. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was a controversial point guard, if you remember back in the day, because uh, no one really played the way I played the position at that time. Now, it's a it's a must that you play the position the way I played it uh, in order for your team to be successful. And I think the guys who are doing it at the highest level you know, other, you know, the Steph Curry's and the, the Kyrie Irvins and, you know, those guys are, those guys are champions. And if they, if they were pass only point guards in this era, they would not be champions. 
Right. But the fact that they can score the basketball in assisted, uh, those are the things that that makes them stand out above the rest. Talk about, uh, I thought, early, several years ago, he was, the comparison was always made between CP3 and yourself. What do you see in his game? I, I, I see a, a floor general who can really, you know, control the tempo of the game better than anybody who's playing right now. He can make it go fast, and he can make it go slow when he wants to. And that that's a unique talent and a unique skill to be able to, you know, keep the opponent off balance. Uh, when the opponent wants to run uh, and have their speed team in, he's smart, he's smart enough to realize, okay, I'm going to make your speed team play slow. And when you put your slow team in or you got some, some guys that aren't as fast, he can speed the game up and he can find the, the right mismatches to, to kind of pick on. He's still the only point guard that I see playing where he'll seek out the mismatch and he'll, he'll pick it out and he'll just keep pecking away and he's patient enough to peck away at the mismatch to exploit it. Mm. Most teams I watch play the point guard, you know, he'll miss the mismatch five times down court. And when he does find it, he'll, he'll go to it once the guy will score or get, or get a foul on the, on the opponent. But he'll, you know, then it's kind of like, okay, well, you did your job. Now I'm going to go find somebody else. Mm -hmm. (laughs) They never, they never stay in the same spot and plug away. Well, Chris Paul does that. And that, that's to me, that's what makes him so unique. Kyrie Irving, I think, has the best ball handling skills, maybe similar to you, uh, you know, who is a wizard with the ball. Uh, what, what do you like about his game? What you just described. <laughs> uh, his, his, his ball handling skills unbelievable, are... Unbelievable, right? Uh, they, they really are. And not only are they, they unbelievable, he, he, he has managed to find a way to incorporate it with his with his shot making ability you know we there are a lot of guys at the park right they have great ball handling skills that are similar to to ours but they don't have the shot making ability to go along with it uh but he has the the shot making ability to go along with the ball skills that makes him extremely dangerous because he can get a shot off at any time Anywhere, uh, around the basket against a big left handed, right handed, he can switch hands. He can shoot off, off the dribble. He can shoot off pace. Um, and he can, you know, he can get the three off. So he's, he's the complete offensive package on, on the scoring side of the offensive ball for a point guard, you know, that you may have in the game. You know, uh, I was w- watching, um, a little while ago about uh, when you and uh, your former backcourt mate, Joe Dumars, did an incredible piece on TV uh, when you guys interviewed Steph Curry and Clay Thompson, the f- best backcourt maybe of all time versus the new best backcourt. What was that like sitting there with those guys? For, for me, the the respect level that we we had for each other as as backcourts and also as champions it was it was an unspoken level of just um humility uh humbleness of being in each other's presence that that really that really made the the air in the room less heavy yeah and i i felt like we could have truly talked all night Brendan, about just basketball, about life. I mean, it was it it was so it was so easy to have that conversation, but it was also um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, kind of um, you know, kind of shocking to to just ref- just feel the respect that we had for each other, which definitely made us you know, let down our guard because it was, um, you know, all of us are ultra competitive 
to win championships at the level that, you know, we both want them at and to be the sizes that we are. So there, there's a, you know, there's a heightened sense of, you know, people being competitive, but none of us came to the table trying to compete or outdo each other, Mm -hmm. but understanding the fact that, you know, all of us have a crazy sense of being competitive. (laughs) Yeah. You know, but none of us brought that to the table, which I thought was, you know, Isaiah, Unbelievable. yeah, Isaiah. When you you do so much, you've been doing TV for years, and and uh, and and are exceptional at it, and you're a great interviewer. But when you go in to do an interview like this, this is that was like you know a high profile interview. I thought a, a get right as they say in the business, and for you guys, and then to bring in Joe, you know, who doesn't do interviewing, uh, and he was really. What was your expectation going into that? Did you know what I mean? Like, was it an idea that you threw out or they threw out to do this? And then, what was your expectation to do it? So, with, with this with this players only format, we we try to come up with with ideas. And uh-huh. um, in, in talking to the producers, it was one of those things that you threw out, um, and them being on the other side, uh, they were just like, well, do you think you, do you think those guys would sit down with you? Do you think right. Joe would come? Right. And, and me being, you know, a, a former player, like you just know, like, Hey man, this, they would, of course they would do it. And of course Joe would come. <laughs> I mean, how, how often do you get a chance to, to have these type of conversations? And we are all curious about each other. Um, so, that was the first part, um, you know, making sure that, you know, everybody would, would come and everybody said yes. And in terms of what was, what I was expecting, mm-hmm. I, I really didn't have, as you see, I had no notes. <laughs> I, I didn't come there with, with any expectations. I just thought I would just let it, let it go where it would go naturally as opposed to trying to guide it. Uh, and it went to a beautiful space and place, and I think it went there only because all of us showed up with with such great respect for each other that it couldn't be anything but a good piece. Shoot, I've known you for 37 years. I've got notes in front of me right now. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> How about that? You know, uh, where did you do the interview? Where was it done? Location? Where? Uh, what city? It was in Atlanta at the Four Seasons really? Hotel. The, uh, Golden State was in for Perfect. a road game, okay. playing the Hawks, and we did it the, the the day before the game. Awesome, God! That was that was the best interview I saw all year, as far as realness and uh, the respect was off the charts, and all four guys were just great. It was it was must see for anyone that missed it. It was fabulous. Congrats on that one. Now, let's get to some real good stuff now. Boy, wouldn't you love to be a free agent now, baby? Oh, man. Wouldn't you, <laughs> wouldn't you love to? Oh, I can't even imagine what that what that price would be. But, hey, you played in Detroit basically your whole career. Could you have ever played in New York? You worked in New York. You ran the team. But could you have played there? Absolutely. I, I feel like, you know, as, as a player, uh, the – the way I played and the and the confidence that I had in myself, I yeah, I could have played anywhere, Brendan. <laughs> <laughs> you love playing in New York, you love playing in LA, didn't you? Boy, you love to put on Absolutely. the show. You did. Yep. Yeah. And also playing in in the garden in Boston. I oh, yes. I go back and I look at They're very some of the of best you. games <laughs> I ever had wow. were in the Boston Garden and in the Chicago Stadium. Isn't that amazing? Well, and I guess in Los Angeles too. <laughs> yeah, in Los Angeles, you were pretty damn good there too. Uh, you know that that and that was those are those are the th- three major franchises back then, and somehow you made Detroit one of the you know the you know the four you know I mean all of a sudden it was you know Detroit, L.A., Boston, and then Chicago got in there. I mean, I mean it was like all these cities became the focal point of basketball. You know, uh, 
Our friend, your friend, a very close friend, Magic Johnson, stepped down the other day as president of the team. Your thoughts, was it unexpected to you? What were your thoughts when you heard it? It was totally unexpected um, and and shocking uh, because you 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 know the type of competitor he is, mm-hmm. and you you know that you know the type of genius brain that he has for the for the sport of the game in basketball. Right. Um, and and after you've gone out and landed, you know the biggest fish in sport. <laughs> You know the 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 key to to every franchise over the last you know fifteen years has been LeBron James. <laughs> you know, whether right. it be Cleveland or Miami, he's been the key. He's been the key to the NBA's you know television ratings and everything else. And you go and you grab the biggest fish out of the sea, and you bring him to Los Angeles, and then you walk away from that. Uh, that was a little shocking, but then now everything that's come out, uh, you realize why he probably walked away. Um, you know, when you're the president of basketball operations, you 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 feel like you have the authority to make basketball operations the way you envision it. Mm-hmm. So executing your vision, you know, means that you get to hire the coach in the GM and the people around you that you want to work with. Right. It doesn't appear that he had the, uh, the authority to hire the people that he thought would be able to do the job and wanted to do the job. So he walked away. That's the way it appears. That, and you can't have that. Yeah. You can't have that. I agree a hundred percent. That takes us to, um, my next thing that you're an expert at, and that's leadership. We we talked about it before, uh, your ability to be a leader. But there seems to be in this time, and I'm not one of those. Back in the day, it was better. I'm not one of those people. Wherever we're at now, I appreciate it. I respect the daylights out of today's players. But there seems to be a perception that if you're the best player on a team and, or the highest paid player on a team equals I'm the leader of the team. Talk to me about leadership first. What is a leader on a professional sports team? Uh, first of all, I, I, I would say leadership is, is never taken. It's always given. The, the players and the people that you are with, they always give you the responsibility to lead them. I've never walked into a room and said, I'm the captain, or I want to be the captain, or I'm the leader. Um, I've always been, you know, selected as the captain or selected to lead. And and the first thing is, you know, it, it requires a, a great deal of trust that that person has in you and a great deal of responsibility that you have to have never to break that trust. Um, and you know, the, the type of person you have to be, you have to make a lot of sacrifices. Um, and you have to decide what type of leader you're going to be. Are you a compassionate leader? Um, are you a, a, a verbal leader? Are you a nonverbal leader? <laughs> are you, are you someone who's going to be, um, you know, demanding, um, you know, there, there are a lot of things that go into that type of personality, uh, and it all depends on, on who you are and what you're comfortable with. And then you have, to, you have to do a lot of work with your teammates to find out who they are, what they like, what they don't like. So you have to spend a lot of time with people that you may not necessarily spend time with on a day-to-day basis. But if you're the leader of the team, you have to know all 14 of your players, the, the trainers, the, the, the medical staff, uh, the coaching staff. You got to have personal relationships with all of them. And then you got to make decisions on, you know, what works best for the team. And there isn't a day, Brendan, that I got on the bus after a game 
that somebody wasn't pissed off at me. Whether it be a coach, whether it be a player, whether it be somebody in our group, there wasn't a day that I played in the NBA as the captain of the Detroit Pistons or the leader of the Detroit Pistons that somebody wasn't pissed off at me because of a decision that I had to make that I thought was best for the group. And that's a tough existence, and that's a lonely existence Yeah, when you have that responsibility, if you do it the right way. So Kyrie Irving, who I respect tremendously as a player, uh, seems to have incredible passion for the game. Uh, he seems to be struggling with wanting to be a leader. What would what what is your a your perception or b what how would you advise him? My advice would be you got you got Cedric Maxwell calling the game. Mm. You got Danny Ainge as your president. You got Tommy Heinsohn living there. Bob Cousy is still alive, and you're wearing a Celtic jersey. If you're not communicating and talking with them, then you're talking to the wrong people. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you should be getting advice from those those great Celtics who are around the organization. Um, and, you know, it's not about if you go out and score 30 points. It's about can you, can you help and lead and regain the trust that may have been lost, um, you know, in, in your leadership quest. Um, so... You know, it's a it's a tricky situation for him because, you know, the whole free agency thing, uh, there's speculation about him leaving Boston. Right. But yet you're asking a group that you're playing with currently uh, to 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 get in the foxhole with you and be all in. But there's speculation that you may have one leg out the door already. And I don't know if he's closed that speculation down. And they all believe that they're one for all, all for one, and they're in it till till death do us part, so to speak. Um, so it's a it's a tricky thing, I think, for him in a leadership role right now. Kind of like our friend from Saginaw, Draymond Green, with KD earlier in the year, right? Yeah, you either you either in with us or you or you're not, right? And. And I don't think you can be an effective leader if you're not all the way in, nor do I agree, nor do I know if you can win a championship not being all the way in. Now, yeah, Golden State may be good enough to do it because they have so much talent. And I don't know if there's another team out there that is ready to cease or take advantage of the vulnerabilities that they have. They have vulnerabilities. Because they definitely you see it, have right? yeah. trust vulnerabilities. Yeah. Yeah. And if you can break that trust within their team and within those teammates, then you can, you know, you can win a championship or you can beat them. Mm-hmm. I don't know if there's a team that that's currently in the NBA that's prepared to go and truly break the trust between a, uh, a Durant in, in his teammates. And there's some really, really good teams, both East and West, but they they also might have that lacking in their own infrastructure too, too right? Those teams that mm-hmm. have the ability to. Yeah, that's, that's what I see. So the other night when you did your show uh, on the playoff preview, uh, I just want to get the first round because we're right now in the first round. Uh, has just begun as we're as we're airing this. Uh, in the your thoughts on Milwaukee? Milwaukee's playing our old Piston team. Uh, what's your thinks on Milwaukee? I, I think Milwaukee definitely wins that series. Yeah. Um, you know, if if Blake was a hundred percent healthy, um, I do think that they could give Milwaukee some problems. Mm-hmm. However, I think Giannis is playing at such a level and they use him at the center position sometimes that he becomes just a nightmare as a mismatch. Yeah. Uh, because although Drummond uh, is, is a great rebounder, I think Milwaukee can, 
can invert their offense in such a way when Giannis is playing the five position and now Drummond may have to match up against him. Wow. And if Drummond is not matched up against him, then when a smaller player matches up against him, then they, they, they run him into the post and, you know, he's always around the basket. So Giannis is the most, you know, he's the most difficult matchup right now uh, in the NBA, he and Kevin Durant. Um, and they do it in, in different ways. Uh, but those two are, are, you know, they, they can, they can mess up your whole, uh, defensive scheme, uh, going into the playoffs. So I, I like Milwaukee uh, a lot in these series. Yeah. Uh, let, we'll go through the Toronto, Orlando. This is, this is going to be an interesting two, mm-hmm. uh, interesting one because, you know, Kawhi, you know, half in, half out, <laughs> don't know if he's in, don't, you know, and, and, and I do believe a team like Orlando, who's playing really confident right now, um, they do have the pieces to, to hit Toronto in all of the weak spots. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, their, their center, their center play, uh, the way Gordon is playing right now, um, and I've always, you know, to me, DJ Augustine as a, as a point guard, he's very underrated. Mm-hmm. Uh, he can shoot the basketball. He can pass it. You know, and, and people want him to be something that he's not. But what he what he is is he's really good at, you know, running the point guard position. So I, I think Orlando could give Toronto some problems. But I think at the end of the day, Toronto will beat Orlando. How about your Philly Brooklyn matchup? If Embiid is not healthy, I, it would not shock me if if Brooklyn uh, beat Philly. They play um, hard, don't they? And if if Embiid plays, and and he's healthy, then I think the Sixers, you know, win easily. Yeah. But Embiid to me uh, is the difference maker for the Sixers in this series. But if the Sixers think that they can rest Embiid or miss a game or two uh, and go against the Nets, the way the Nets are playing and the way their perimeter people attack and how good they are and how confident they are against the Sixers, um, you know, the Sixers could be in for, you know, a six or seven game, you know, death match with the Nets. Wouldn't that be amazing? What about Boston, Indiana? Uh, same thing. Um, you know, we, we have so many of the, it's interesting that the top free agents who have a chance to win championships, none of them are totally committed to their team that they're presently with. (laughs) It's, it, I've never seen anything like this, Brendan. So when you look at Kyrie and the Celtics, um, you know, it all depends on how, how connected they are to each other. What's their trust level? Uh, Indiana is definitely going to test them. And the way Indiana is playing right now, even without Oladipo, you know, they're a damn good basketball team. And if, if you don't mind your P's and Q's, they're capable of, of extending Boston and possibly beating them if the Celtics aren't connected. And then in going forward, uh, you know, a Milwaukee, I guess it might be a, a Milwaukee, uh, possibly Boston matchup in round two could be incredible in a Toronto Philly. I mean, you know, all, any of those four teams home court probably being the difference maker possibly, right? Yes. And, and their star players will definitely be the difference makers. Yeah. Um, and, um, you know, I, I look at the Milwaukee, uh, Boston rematch, um, you know, the key to me last year in terms of Boston and Milwaukee was Marcus Smart uh, in mm-hmm. that series. Um, and not having him at full strength or returning back and not being, you know, ready to go, um, I, I, I think Milwaukee definitely has the edge the way they play, the way they shoot the basketball, and and the way Giannis is approaching the game right now. 
And and Toronto, Philly, we just don't know about, you know, Kawhi, right? Where he's coming from. No. You don't know about Kawhi and where he's coming from, but the thing you do know about Kawhi is that when he shows up to play, mm-hmm. <laughs> he's gonna play. He's gonna play well. Yeah, and he's gonna give you his best. Um, so his personality and his temperament is one of silence uh, because you don't know where he's coming from because he doesn't verbalize it. But when he's out on the floor playing, uh, you know that he's giving you you know, the the best game that he can possibly give you on that night. So I, I like Toronto to, to beat Philadelphia. Uh I like Siakam. I like the way Phila I like the way Toronto is capable of defending. And um, you know, if Embiid is healthy, I think a Gasol uh with his savviness uh will be able to counteract some of the things that Embiid can do in the post. That's that's strong, I agree. Okay, we'll go quick on the West. Golden State Clips, no chance, Golden right? State, Golden State Clippers, they'll show up for some popcorn and maybe <laughs> they might get some peanuts on the way out the door. <laughs> <laughs> how about our, our friends at uh, Denver with Mikey Malone coaching? How about them? They, they're a hell of a squad, don't they? You know, they got a hell of a squad, but this could be the worst matchup that they could possibly have with San Antonio. And and the reason why I say that is because when you look at DeRozan and you look at Aldridge, those two guys coming into the series, their mindset is they're the two best players. You know, Aldridge is not looking at anybody on Denver's team and thinking that the, the, the opposing player is better than him. Mm-hmm. Neither is neither is you know DeRozan. Uh, so though they come in with potentially the two best players, San Antonio has been playing excellent basketball over the last month. Mm-hmm. Uh, Denver has been kind of up and down, but at the same time, Denver doesn't have the type of playoff experience that San Antonio is coming to the table with. San Antonio is coming with length. They're coming with, you know, players who can do it. And it would not surprise me if, if San Antonio was to upset Denver. However, I'm picking Denver to win the series. But I wouldn't be shocked if San Antonio won. You know, when Pop played there last week, he got thrown out in a minute and three seconds. I said, he's looking ahead. And he wants to play. He wants to play Denver. Yeah, <laughs> and they, then they got beat by thirty points that game. And and before the game, they had decided as a staff they weren't going to because they had a back to back. They weren't going to play any of the good guys more than twenty minutes. How about that? So yeah, they, yeah. So then he walks into Mike Malone's press conference. You and I saw the same I thing, saw the, <laughs> and I said, "Boy, oh boy." And then Mike Malone, yeah, they said, Pop's got five rings, I got a wedding ring. I said, yeah. oh, boy. I, I mean, it's like he walked into his, and I've never seen a coach so happy Yes. after losing by 30 and being ejected. I what said, the hell? Yeah. <laughs> hey, Mikey, good job, Mikey. Hey, what's going on here? What are we doing? Yeah, I, I said, boy, this guy. That's- I'll see you next week. What do you think about the Portland OKC? I thought that was the best matchup for OKC in the first round. It it, it couldn't have happened better. And you have have Westbrook and and Damian Lillard. Both of them think that they're better than the other. So that's going to be a battle there. But Paul George comes into the series looking at everybody else again. You know, they're feeling like they got the two best players. And in Portland, you know, if 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 McCollum is healthy, they're feeling like their guard matchup is, is definitely the best. Uh, but I think this is a, a great matchup for, for OKC uh, because, you know, with, with Nurkic being out and, you know, who matches up with Adams now? Ooh. I think Adams can have his way in the paint. I think he'll throw his weight around. He'll rebound the basketball. Uh, so I, I think this is a this is a tough matchup for for Portland. I agree. And the other matchup that's a little tricky is the four five 
you know, Houston slipped down to play Utah. And it's never fun, as we both know, going to Utah at, for anything. I don't mean that to the people out there. It's a great place. But <laughs> but uh, your thoughts on that one? I, I think this one goes six or seven. Yeah. But I, yeah. I think I think Houston wins. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, I, I think Utah is, as you say, they're difficult to play against at home. Um, and... You know they're they're confident enough to come win one in your building. They did last so, year. I think they won game two, yeah. possibly last year. Yeah, yeah, it's a tough one. I, I, I actually, I'm excited to what you know to see the games in the first round. I, I think you know, and there could there's usually a surprise somewhere, but I think there could be somewhere. I don't know where the hell it's going to be, but I think it could be, you know. But now, when you you, are, do you have to work during the playoffs now? I mean, are you? Uh, what 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 role do you guys take during the so playoffs? So I am. Um, they call me out of the studio, so I'm going to be doing. Uh, awesome! I got I got Denver San Antonio. Oh. I, I actually have that that. Uh, I think I got them games two and three. Um, okay. And then from there, I don't know where I go, but I think they're going to bounce us around a little bit. Oh, or that, bounce me around a little bit. Uh, that's great. In the first round. Mm-hmm. That's great. You love that atmosphere and everything like that. Do you have a feeling for uh, you know the MVP, this crazy MVP race? Any uh, your thoughts on those guys? This is probably the most I've been confused about <laughs> an MVP race. Thank you. Welcome. Um, yeah. Because when you look at Giannis and Harden, I mean, clearly you can make a case for for either one of them being the MVP, and it would be a strong case. Um, and I don't know what the differentiator is in terms of one winning over the other. I mean, because every time you you can make the case for Giannis being the MVP because he's, he's been great all season uh, statistically, and then his team has won 16, I mean 60 games. But then you can go back and say, well, look at the hole that Harden dug you know, Houston out of and what he had to do to get them back to, to relevance and put their season back together. Um, who knows? I, I'm just glad I'm, I'm not voting because <laughs> both of these guys are, are deserving of, of the MVP this year. I agree. And I, and I'm, uh, Jonas has just been incredible. I love what he's done, taking that team to another level. Uh, you know, and James, when their team was in 14th place, said, okay, I'm ready to go. You know, I mean, just a, a amazing what he's done as a performer, night in, night out. So whoever wins, I recommend that besides the nice trophy that they get, that they get a case of sh your Sherlin Thomas champagne. I, that's what I think, because we drank so much of that in Detroit a few weeks ago, <laughs> and I thank you for it. And congratulations on winning some you know worldwide awards for that thank you uh I, believe it or not i've been named champagne producer of the year the last two years how about that um and i'm i'm currently uh in 15 states and five countries uh with sherlon champagne and it's it's been a, a fascinating ride uh the the business has been good uh the 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 approval of, of of having real champagne, all our champagnes, uh, the Sherlon Thomas uh, are low in champ. I mean, have zero sugar. Uh, our Sherlon um, uh, Brut Special only has five grams of sugar. Then we have a Rosé de Saunier that's out of this world. Uh, and you know, so I'm I'm having a good time. Um, eating good food and drinking champagne and talking about basketball. That's my life these days. I, <laughs> man, uh, I knew you win, but wow, this is this has been a, a great ride, I mean, to watch. And I have to say, I mean, you know, when we were blessed to get together, you know, uh, with the Pistons, uh, you know, you changed my life. And working together in Toronto and New York, it's, it was a blessing and you know, and I've always uh, appreciated our friendship 
And uh, you're you're one of the most special people in my life, and I thank you so much for it. And and I can't wait every night to watch you on TV. My wife says, "What are you What are you doing?" I'm watching Isaiah. She says, "What channel?" <laughs> so as you know, she likes you more than she likes me. So thank you for everything, brother. And uh, and have fun during the playoffs. Well, thank you. And and just as much as I, you know, helped you in your life, you definitely helped change my life when you came to the Detroit Pistons, and you know all our work in Toronto and in New York and the CBA and every place else. Um, you know, you, you've been a good friend and I'm, I'm sure every time you, you see me on television, you, you probably hear some of the things that you've said to me coming out of my <laughs> mouth. So thank you. Coach. Well, <laughs> hey, thank you so much. And, uh, I know our audience is just going to love this. Thank you again for doing it. Isaiah. You're welcome. Thank you. Isaiah. Incredible. Uh, I, you know, he's one of those guys, I'm sorry it went a little long for some of you, but boy, I could have done two hours with Isaiah. He's an amazing human being uh, and just so darn knowledgeable. And make sure you watch him on TNT, TBS, and all the NBA TV during the playoffs. But listen, uh, now we're on to the, the offseason of basketball for college coaches, high school coaches. I want you to focus on now you're on season of learning. So here's two things that we have. Obviously, Coaching You Live VIP experience in Las Vegas, July 8 and 9. It, as always, will be an extraordinary event. It's VIP only. It's courtside seating. It's all the videos from the speakers, two meals, dry fit t-shirt, Coaching You notebook, the whole thing. It, you are up close and personal to learning. Last year, those that experienced when we experimented and went to it, it was the best thing that we've ever done as far as that learning. So make sure right now we have our early bird price. Please take advantage of it. Go in and, and sign up now. Uh, I think you're really going to enjoy that. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, went at the final four, we had one of the best things we've ever done at coaching you. We partnered uh, with fast model and in a free event there, at the Final Four, mainly focusing on assistant coaches. It was called our Next Gen Coaches event. And we had five head coaches who selflessly shared their experience as an assistant, what you need to be to be a better assistant, and also to be a head coach. Uh, it was the best thing that I've ever... I was sitting there having coached for 45-plus years and sat there with my, you know, just learning my ass off the whole time. And so what we've done is we've recorded the sessions and we're making it available to you as a coach for $39 for five coaches, head coaches to learn from. $39 to get better. We had David Patrick from the University of California, Riverside. We have Mike Boynton, the head coach of Oklahoma State. Donnie Jones from Stetson University. Bob Ritchie from Furman University and Conzo Martin from the University of Missouri. These guys were off the charts. I'm telling you. I'm going to play a, a little clip for you that you're going to get a sample of what they're about. Please make sure you order this. $39 Next Gen Coaches. Go to our site at coachingyoulive.com forward slash next gen, G-E-N, and take advantage of this you will not regret this learning opportunity. You have to be really good at what you're responsible for, right? Master it. Whatever your head coach tells you to do, be excellent at it. Bring great value in that area. But you also have to be able to develop other areas of, of your professional career, right? Watching film is a great aspect. You have to be convicted in who you are, what you believe in, right? Because panic is a function of unbelief. And there's a lot of panic in this business. And there's a lot of people that are trying to mimic people. And this is how I'm supposed to do it. This is how they do it, right? If you mimic somebody else, you, the, the best you can possibly be is the second best version. But if you focus on your best and what that means and you're convicted to what that looks like, guess what? You've got an opportunity to be your best. So you have to know, and I tell our staff, is that, that when you look at those scouting serves, you you have to see with your eyes first, recruit with your eyes. I don't, I don't want to go off a sheet of paper, not to say those guys don't do their job. I don't want to go off that, but you have to see with your eyes. And I tell our staff, when they, when they on that sheet and when it says mid-major, mid-major plus, go fight for that guy right there. 
go fight for them. Because what happens is oftentimes a guy that has a work ethic, has a fight in him, scratching and clawing, he's looking up. And knowing your strengths. I think one of my strengths is the ability to connect. And I think you got to be able to connect with your coaches, your players, your administration, but you got to be able to listen. So the first week, you know, I've been on this job for four days, I've been doing a lot of listening and being able to evaluate because if you're talking all the time, you can't learn. I think the first four games, I think I coached every single play. Defense, get in here, get, make the shot, get back, go back. I was like a wild man. Um, and as the year wore on, you can't, you got to let the guys play. Mm-hmm. And uh, you want your imprint on your team to show up right away and it doesn't happen, you know. And so uh, I learned not to uh, live and die on every call, live and die on every win or loss, and there was a lot of losses. But I, I, my deal was like I wanted to see us grow. I hope you enjoyed that because Dad just wanted to give you a sample of what you're going to hear and learn in the two-and-a-half-hour session. Please take advantage of it. So till next week, this is the coach, Brendan Serve.